crazy for me man sorry i have not been on the podcast i've actually sent the files uh for strange things to my audio guy and then somewhere and right before i took off on vacation and it wasn't really a vacation i went off to uh tennessee to work with rated red uh to film another another portion portion of my little cooking show but then for some reason he didn't get it i didn't bring my laptop so everything got kind of fucked so you know a little a bit a bit late and dollar short, but uh, I just got it out today. All I did was put the, the front end and the back intro outro all myself, and uh, you know, hopefully, it sounds good enough. Uh, that's such a cool podcast, Strange Things 2, with my man. I, I refuse to name by name, but by Mr. Strange. Pretty cool stuff. Hey, this is just a Vinny thinking. I just want to catch you guys up on kind of a lot that's going on in my life and just kind of maybe tell you a little story here and there, but um. So the past few weeks, I've been finishing up, you know, uh, a show that I'm working on. And I still can't release the information on, uh, and that got that got finally wrapped. So I'm excited about that. And this isn't the Mayans MC, something completely different. Uh, and then I flew out to Nashville and worked on my cooking show uh, because the cooking shows get got picked up for some reason from by Raider Red again. So I just went and did that. Uh, and then in talks with Raider Red, working with them a little bit more. Uh, I am working on selling a few show concepts that I've written myself, and uh, and as well as now, I'm finally going to be able to take vacation. I'll be taking my laptop and my uh, microphones with me, so hopefully if I run into some cool people, we'll sit down and do a podcast for you guys. I know I've been a little slow on the podcast, and it's only because I've just been so damn busy. Um, I'm working on... I'm trying to find a way to just do call-ins because it'll make your life easy, a lot easier. I just got to make sure that the audio is clean. That's one of the importance of, of what I'm doing here is trying to give you the clean audio. Uh, and so I might have to sacrifice some clean audio to get some telephone uh, interviews in. But I think it's going to be worth it because uh, I, I'm able to reach out with, with, with some cool people by phone and have a cool conversation, even if it's just a 10-15 minute conversation. But uh, we'll be doing that here shortly. Yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, you know, it's funny. I keep getting messages about me being a corrections officer. You know, and there's guys out there that's done some really cool corrections officer work. Um, dude, j- just just a few off the top of my head. I mean, they've worked at you know Department of uh, DOC, Department of Corrections. They you know they've done uh, what does it say? Uh, you can work federal things like that, man. My man Chris. My man Chris, uh, if you guys check him out on freaking uh, Instagram, Graham, it's Ginger Beer Barbell. I mean, this dude's a fucking monster. He's, he's, I don't even know how much he weighs, but he's probably around, I'm going to say he's around 270, fully fucking stacked, and an amazing beard. He's one of our ambassadors for Beard.com, as well as, as, well as um, you know, straight, straight razors and everything else, all associated with the same brand. But uh, Beard.com is... is one of our, yeah, I guess ambassadors, man. He's kind of the dude that's that's putting Beard.com on the map. <laughs> and he asked me, man, he wanted to hear some more corrections stories. So, you guys, I got out of the military in 2007. I think I got it in June. And July was my actual, uh, July, I think 17 was my actual last day in, in active duty. But I had, like, a terminal leave. So, I was a little, about a month early. Um, it was about 45 days, really what it was. 
um, what happened was I was applying to like six, seven, eight, nine fucking different jobs, man. I swear I had applications everywhere. And when I say that, like, I, I, I applied to do some um, some framing. My dad used to be a framer. I know very little of it, but I thought like it'd be cool to learn. Uh, I, I I went to a couple of car dealerships, being a car salesman. Uh, I just thought it'd be fun to do, and I feel like I can sell anything, right? So I was like, well, that'd be fun to do. Um, I applied at restaurants everywhere. And the one that got me the job the fastest was a company called Cintas. They were hiring military guys out of the military um, that are coming straight out of the military. But the problem was, like, it was selling medical supplies and doing CPR lessons. I I wasn't a fan of it, but shit. I'll tell you what. I got to uh, Arizona. I think it was, like, June 20th or some shit. And then, like, the next day I was in my uh, my interview. Uh, they gave me the job, and the next week I started. So, I mean, you can't beat getting paid right off the bat. So I jumped in with them, worked for them for about 30 days while I applied for other jobs. Uh, I ended up reaching out to a prison. It was a private prison called CCA. It's, uh, I think it's Correct Corrections Corporation of America. Um, and, and it's, again, it's one of those private prisons. And if you guys don't know what a private prison is, it's it's kind of a weird, man... Uh, it's hard to say like what a private prison a private prison is uh, essentially a company a business that offers the state some relief in cost of of living for the inmates so break it down break it down easy in california it probably costs somewhere around 15 to 20 dollars a day to house an inmate that means food that means lights that means everything right room and board food 20 dollars a day in a private prison, they offer them a a better option for cheaper. So say, hey, we'll do it for ten dollars a day, you know, and they say okay, and so they sign a contract, and then and then CCA will house now house those inmates for the duration of that contract until contracts renegotiated. And this happens throughout all private prisons. I mean, CCA is one of them. Then you got. Uh, Man, what is it, GCU or GUC? There's just several other businesses out there that are just completely for-profit prisons. It's kind of a weird, weird concept. So in doing that, they don't have a normal academy. So my academy for the prison was sit there and watch videos all day, and then the first day was like 30, 30 days in or 15 days in, we show up into the prison and start watching them do a shakedown. And then they start having us do hands-on, and we start learning it, and slowly get thrown right into the pipe. Obviously, this is not the most comfortable situation for someone like me who have I've been to basic training, and then and then later on get into law enforcement, see what the academies are for, and to prepare and to to set you up for success. CCAs was a little different for me, and also knowing we had guys that were over fifty, over sixty, joining CCA group the joining the cca lineup that didn't have to be physically fit they just had to be able to i guess essentially ha- have a heartbeat which is cool on some some points right there were some guys that were veterans I, my buddy he was a 25 year vet vietnam vet fucking a huey pilot and uh you know i got to sit there with him and hang out and he was an awesome fucking dude and but the the, the fact that he was good at the job as well but when it came down to it, um, from the beginning of me being on the floor, I was the guy they called for all the fights and, and try to break it up and also generating a you know a team to go in on someone. 
So I got a job with CCA. I quit Sintas, went to CCA, did the academy. Um, I felt like a badass because I was pretty fucking ready to go fuck some dudes up. And there's times when I was definitely intimidated. But as soon as I get there, I find out they have a special operations team. They call it SORT. Uh, special Operations Response Team. That's what it was. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of funny how a lot of special operations teams, the, the, the dudes who are on those teams have this very cocky, they're too good for anyone else demeanor. And there was definitely a few of those fucking dudes on that team that it was pretty funny that, that acted like that. My whole goal with CCA was really just to get my foot in the door. Uh, right after I got in with CCA, I applied for the Border Patrol already. So it, w it wasn't a long-term thing. The only reason I was there as long as I was was because it took so long to get into the Border Patrol. The hiring process for the Border Patrol took forever. I was hoping just to do it for about six months to a year, learn everything I can, and then get away. I ended up doing it for about two and a half years, almost three years. Um, a small portion of the time I spent in, in drill certain school during the time I was there. But So after six months... Shit, let's just go here. The first month of working there, all right, I've already done two cell extractions as a new guy because because I'm at the time, I think I'm around, I don't know, 28, 29. I'm probably like 28, 27, 28. Still, I'm in good shape, uh, just freshly out of the military. Still got, you know, a little, little piss and vinegar inside of me from, the, from deployments. I just got back from Afghanistan fucking like two months before that. Um... So they asked me to take charge on some of the sort, sort, not sort team, excuse me, some of the response team stuff. And we get some cell extractions done too easy. And then one night, I'm working night shift. And, and you always got to start night shift, it seemed like. So then one night, I get a call. And some of you, if you guys heard the Drinker Bros podcast, you'll, you've probably heard this story. Um, I get the call that there is a cell extraction needed in segregation. And... I needed to get a team together that I trusted, and we're going to go in on these guys. And it's going to be a two-man pod, so that means you need double the people, right? So normally, I think with, f with one guy, you want four guys. I think with two guys, you get six, I believe it was. Maybe it's eight. I can't remember. So I, I, I pick from what uh, I had, right? The, the, the hodgepodge of dudes working night shift that I trusted, even females that were tough enough to get in there, I was going to try and pick from. <laughs> I picked one guy they picked for me. His name was Stogner. He's about easy, almost 350. Um, the guy was not my choice, but he was a good shield guy. So he was my number one shield guy. Uh, number two, I can't even remember who the guy was. Number number three, I picked a guy named Lada. Lada uh, was a military ex-army ex uh, airborne dude, uh, 82nd Airborne Cat. So obviously he's the one guy that I relied on a lot that night. Uh, he... I actually worked with his little brother, and I went to basic training with his little brother, uh, eventually who came work for us again later and joined the SORT team and actually broke my record, so in finding the PT test. But either way, then we have a, uh, just the rest of random-ass dudes, and I can't even remember who the fuck they were, really. And so as we get to the fucking segregation, I'm the TL, uh, and the captain is one of the guys that are actually on the SORT team, but he's not in, suited up in his team because he didn't think he needed the response to them. He's just like, hey, I think we can handle it. What do you think? I'm like, yeah, fuck it, dude. It's, this is going to be cool. So I go up to the pod, and I hear them just causing a ruckus in there, man, and they put toilet paper over their little window, and so I kind of like try to peek in and look, and I caught a small glimpse of both of these dudes, man, right? and, and I got a little bit of an uh, assessment of who they were, and now knowing it's pretty even crazy, but one of the guys, the main guy that we're going after, was in for murder. And his murder was pretty gruesome. 
Uh, he he was a he was an Indian. He was a native. And at the time, you could actually go Google their names, and every year they release these documents explaining to you. It's like open source. They'll they'll tell you every native in Arizona that co- when it did a crime, what their name was and what the crime was. It's pretty crazy. So eventually, I went and looked it up, and this guy did a very very gruesome gruesome murder, and his partner in there was in for attempted murder. And so I looked in there and see these guys all suited up. I'm talking when I say suited up, they're ninja styled. They had their their sandals were cut in half as elbow pads and knee pads, and they were held on by by pieces of 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 sheets. Uh, their faces were wrapped in sheets. Their bellies were wrapped in sheets, and they were like just completely covered up, ready to to get to take an ass whooping in order to fucking fight back. They broke their toilet, which here's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. A porcelain toilet in segregation is probably the worst decision ever made. And so there was porcelain all over in shards, big pieces of toilet all over the floor. And and in the back window, it sounded like they were trying to break the back little windows, which they're probably only like three-inch windows, uh, but they're the length of the room in the back. They can't escape from them, but they could just throw shit out the back, whatever the case. So I look, I'm like, holy shit, all right. And I tell everyone in my line, I'm like, hey, get ready. This is this is going to be a real. This is a legit one. So in the system, when it, when it comes to uh, clearing a room, I'm going to say use the words clearing a room or taking control of the room in a corrections f- facility. The first two guys are shield guys. The first two shield guys are supposed to, one, pin the combatants against the wall so then the other guys can come and grab control. You want full limb control. You want to have grab the left side, the left arm, the right arm, the left leg, the, the right. You see what I'm saying? So just get control of the of the combatant, so then we can put cuffs on. That's all you're trying to do is control the situation. <laughs> so as I look in there, I'm thinking, all right, cool. Let's throw some gas in this fucking room, right? And so the so the captain at the time uh, opens up the food trap and drops drops a can of gas in there, and uh, we're thinking it's going to do the trick. Again, I'm within a month of doing this job month two months i'm fucking fresh and i don't know any of the rules behind occs that's those are the the types of gas you can use on on combatants or or, or inmates and uh and so i'm saying that cool that was cool he threw a can of gas and these guys are going to give up all of a sudden i hear i can hear the gas can either get thrown somewhere i heard it go in between like and it sounded it sounded like <laughs> and so I was like, oh shit, they either threw it down the toilet, which I don't know if that's even possible, because they just fucking broke the toilet, or they threw it out the back window. So I have no fucking clue. I'm like, hey, I think they fucking threw it somewhere. He's like, shit, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't fucking know. So as a captain, before any kind of cell entry, you have to give them all their fair warnings. If they don't cuff up, we're gonna do this. If they don't cuff up, we're gonna do this. So it's all these and it's also documented through vi- videotape and everything else and what goes down. And so he tells them, one more chance and we're going to come in there. And he opens up the food trap. And I'm standing by the food trap with him trying to look and see what I can see. I'm, I'm trying to assess the situation so I can make the best decision for my team and myself. And I'm kind of excited. It feels like I'm, it feels reminiscent of clearing a room, right? It feels reminiscent of fucking entering clearing a building or, or slash my combative classes of entering clearing buildings. It's like it's a very similar feeling. Uh, and so then he opens up the food trap and then boom, half a toilet comes flying out of that motherfucker, hits him in the arm, hits me in the leg. And we're like, oh, shit. And he goes, well, I guess they have nothing else to throw at us. Let's go. And he opens up the fucking door, bro. Oh, my God. He opens up this door. The first two men in. Uh, since I am the team leader, I'm the third guy in. I'll be going in third to control the situation, blah, 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 blah. As I go in there, the first guy goes and fucking falls down. The second guy falls down. Then here comes the, 
and it's me face to face with the guy that's committed murder and I see him winging something at me you know and I'm like what the fuck is he hitting me with or what the hell everything goes slow motion for me this is actually the most intimate engagement of my life in the military you have a gun you have your friends you have everything right now it's me and a dude no gun just my hands and and trying to slow down the threat and I realize in that slow motion state that he's hitting me with whatever he has in the sock. Later, come to find out it's, it's a piece, of, it's a small piece of the, the porcelain toilet. But I'm pretty suited up, right? I have my, my chest protector on, I have my helmet on, I have my shin guards on. What doesn't I have elbow pads, knee pads, right? What I don't have is like thigh protection and rib protection, right? It's, it's just something that those bodysuits didn't make. And so um, I feel it hitting me, and I'm also just numb to the whole everything going around. Everyone's trying to get into the room. Everyone's trying to get off the floor. Uh, they they oiled up the floor with soap, and so it was slippery. And so then, at this point, I realize I'm getting fucked up by a fucking bad dude. And I'm not sure where this is going, but I started realizing, like, okay, this is actually trouble. I, I need to do something. And you're not supposed to close fist punch anyone, close fist strike anyone. You're supposed to kind of just grab hold, whatever the case. Well, I fucking... <laughs> I grabbed him by his chest and just started swinging away. I just started fucking hitting him right in the face. Like almost like hockey style fighting where one hand is holding on to him. The other hand is just fucking drilling him. And I don't, I think he's hitting me at the same time. I can't even remember. But all I know is that after about four or five solid strikes, thinking like this guy's not going down. I'm Now what, right? We both slip and fall. And when we both slip and fall, he postures, he posts his arm out to catch us. And he dislocates his shoulder. But I'm still fucking going all 100% maniac on the dude. And just like, now I'm gorilla slamming him. Like, my hands are just, I'm just slamming downward. Like, like, like palm strikes to his fucking chest, to his fucking hips, to his fucking, to whatever I can fucking do. Because I'm like, I'm sliding all over the floor. Uh, He's screaming now and I don't fucking hear it. Because I hear all the commotion of the other two, of the other group trying to slow down the other inmate. Who's trying to make his way outside of the the cell so he can raise havoc out there. They're holding him in and pulling him back in. Finally, as I'm fucking just kind of gorilla slamming this fucking dude, my buddy Lada, the, the 82nd Airborne, he goes, like, it's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good. And I was like, okay. And I fucking backed off and then we cuffed him and threw him outside. And it was just like, what the fuck? I mean, <clears throat> tell you this, man. You get a job as a corrections officer and you're fucking within first 30, first 45 days on the job. You experience that. You second guess coming back to work. You second like this is I'm not getting paid good enough for this. Like there's no way I'm getting paid good enough to be 45 days in, have three different cell extractions, and and this should go down. And then so after you're done with the cell extraction, they were like, hey, you got to go to the nurses to get checked. I'm like, okay. So we took off all the gear. Uh, this dude continued being an ass. I dropped him again one more time in the in the in the in the alleyway. He, he kicked a nurse, and so when he kicked a nurse, I slammed him again, put my forearm onto his fucking throat, told him, are you done? He's like, yeah, I'm done. I put him back up. And this guy still has a dislocated shoulder. Like, he's a fucking nut. But, yeah, he kicked a fucking nurse, so I slammed him. Taking him outside on the way to the fucking, I dropped him again. We had to drop him again because he was kicking and screaming again, fucking going nuts, and we had to fucking calm him down. It was fucking crazy. So then he finally calms down. Um, we get out of our turtle outfits. And go get checked by the nurses. And that's where I fucking noticed the bruises on my hips and thighs. And kind of like I'm up towards my rib area. Uh, and they were like, what happened? I was like, I don't know. I th- and I, I started is piecing it together. Because it was such a fucking crazy little moment. 
I, I forgot a lot of it. I didn't even know what happened. And they were telling me, like, hey, you did this, you did this, this happened, this happened. Later on, we got to watch the video. Well, the cameraman was fucking shaking all over the damn place. So you, you barely saw what was going on with me. You saw what was going on with the other guy who was trying to get out of the room. It was pretty fucking nutty. And I remember that day getting driving home thinking, I guess, everything calming down, the adrenaline going away, and really coming to, like, holy shit, dude. You know, I... I I got a job as a corrections officer because I wanted to fucking do cool shit, but I did not know that all that would go down. And then later on, getting training, I ended up getting onto the sort team a couple months later, like six, six months later, some somewhat, and learning about OCCS and what we could have done. And I would have rewrote an SOPs on exactly how to do that because <coughs> reality is, is if you're using CS or OC, there's a certain amount of time frame you're allowed to let them cook in it. Like they can sit in it. And I would have, I would have put a lot more OCCS. I probably would have hit them with um, the the PLS systems, which is your pebble ball systems. I would have fucking fully engulfed those dudes until they and gave them the time to sober up and relax before I'd even get them out of there. To, so you don't cause harm to your to your dudes. And if you guys are corrections officers, I'd look into the even if you're not qualified to use OCCS you should know what the policies are on how long you can keep them in their cell contaminated uh, for CS if you open up a food trap that alone has an, uh, implements more oxygen into the room and gives them a longer time you can keep them contaminated think little small tricks like that can keep you safe there's no way anyone should ever go into a cell with an inmate on an even hue there's, there's, it's just ridiculous, right? Like, if you can't use OCCS because they have an asthmatic issue, well, then you use a shock shield, a stun shield, whatever they want to call it. Um, there's a lot of ways of working with that. It's just, it's just, I would never, there's no way I would ever send it. If it was me again, if I could, hindsight 2020, I would <coughs> implement as much OCCS as I could and then get them to cuff up and be done with it. Yeah, you might have your scuffles in the rooms here and there, but going into the room, it was a pretty dangerous f of us to do that when they had, they were on the same same level as we were. It's like <coughs> in the military, you go into a room, you flash bang it, you know, you use the act of surprise, you use violence of action, all these different things that you use to put yourself in a little bit better advantage than your your threat. And it's the same with, with in the prison. I mean, I think months later when I was on the sort team, we got called into a, to kind of like a prison riot. And it's funny how I, I'm so in that in that space in the in the terrifying space of. The wild shit, that's when I fucking st seem to be most comfortable or like. And there's these rooms called gang pods, and they'd have about 12 to 16 guys in these rooms, I think it was, something like that. And uh, they try to they try to barricade their doors. Eventually, we were able to drill a hole through one of the plexiglass windows, drop some gas in there. They're ready to cement. Uh, once we were able to rip the door open, I jump in there and just start snatching motherfuckers up and throwing them out. But it's just like, they were like, dude, it was crazy you jumped in. I was like, I don't know. I felt like it was the right thing to do is someone step into that room. They've already commit. They've already submitted to us to start taking control. So I started controlling, dominating the room and getting one at a time to walk to me as I threw them out there, cuffed and threw them out. And so it was pretty cool. But <clears throat> crazy working at a prison like that, man. Uh, if you're working at a state prison or, or a federal prison, I, th I believe they're, they're a little bit more stringent on how they do things like that. I think everyone has the ability or p potential possibility to be a to be um, on a a team to enter to to cell extract, but uh, it's important to call guys that are going to be trained in that and knowing how to use CS OCCS 
and using it the right way. There's no way you should ever enter when a motherfucker is just sitting there waiting for you. It's fucking dangerous. I don't know, it's pretty wild. It took me a little while to shake that. Uh, eventually, I talked to my buddy who was just like, that's probably going to be the worst self-extraction you've ever seen and the hardest self-extraction you'll ever do. I was, he was like, and then you did well, and so don't worry about it ever again. You know. After that, I went on to do, I don't know, multiple other self-extractions. None were ever that crazy. None were actually crazy at all after that. You know, you spray a dude good enough, uh, they cuff up. Uh, we had, oh yeah, Fisher. There's one guy named Fisher, though. He was a crazy bastard. He threw piss with me once. Fisher was one of those guys where where we actually had to drive nine hours to go pick him up one time because uh, he overran a a native prison. And once we were able to get a hold of that guy, we had to transport him <laughs> to us, and he caused hell in our prison for a while. <coughs> yeah, crazy. I don't know, guys. That's just me doing some Vinny thinking. If you guys are interested about the corrections, I think it's a cool job. Check them all out. If you guys are interested in doing uh, some private prison stuff, just know what you're getting into. Uh, it's not a bad thing. They pay well, but at the same time, for me, I use it as a stepping stool to jump onto something different. It helped me get into the Border Patrol. It helped me uh, see things differently. If you're, if you're a corrections officer and you know how to handle yourself in a room full of full of uh, inmates, uh, it, it makes yourself more successful as a law enforcement officer to, to walk into a room and be comfortable. I didn't have to use my fucking attitude. I didn't have to use my power to control a room. I was able to communicate the way I needed to to get my point across, and officer presence helped a lot with that as well. Uh, I remember my first time jumping in a group of over 40 uh, illegal documented illegal documented aliens. Uh, it wasn't a stress for me. It was, all right, cool, line up here, line up here, line up here, and I was able to control the situation because of the fact I've been in that situation. But now I have a gun, I have this, I have that, I have all kinds of other things protecting me. In the prison, you only had a radio. And so... I think it was a good thing. I recommend anyone that wants to do law enforcement. I think they do. St you should start in the corrections world. Learn as much as you can. I give those guys all the credit in the world. I think when I'm all said and done with everything that I'm doing, I'll probably jump back into the corrections and just ride it out, man. Why the fuck not? Hey, man, this is me, Vinny, thinking. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Vinny Rock Podcast. You guys know who our sponsors are. Let me actually throw that in there. You guys know who our sponsors are. We got... Uh, we got Lead Slingers Whiskey. Obviously, it's always going to be. If you guys need help finding that, let me know. We have Warfighter Tobacco. Warfighter Tobacco is, hands down, one of the best cigars I've ever smoked in my life, especially having things like the Victory and the new blends we have from Nicaragua. They're just amazing. Um, those guys got some cool things going. Like, you can't slow those dudes down, man. Uh, Scott, George, John, you know, all, all the guys are, are kicking ass over there. They're doing their trips and picking up picking up the cigars by hand, pretty much. You know, they're going to picking out which ones they want and how they want to do it, and it's just been such a cool thing to see. You got Beer.com. Beer.com is one of our sponsors. You guys can use Rocco for uh, 10% off if you guys need to for the Christmas time. Um, man, you got Lisa, the Lisa beds. You guys know already. I've talked about it before. It's one of the most comfortable beds I've ever used in my entire life. Uh, the promo code is VinnyRock. You can get $100 off on one of the beds or $200 off the bigger size beds. But just let me know if you have questions on that. That's Lisa. That is L-E-E-S-A beds. Um, bed in a box. They show up to your house. You put it in your bed. And then, and again, like I said, you'll you'll never regret the sleep that you get. You got combat flip-flops. Don't forget those guys. You got those are you know two Army Rangers doing their thing with one of their buddies who was a bass player and making cool shit in dangerous places. So check out. Uh, you know, combat flip-flops, those guys are solid dudes. Um, you know, I've become closer and closer with those guys, and they've helped me throughout the way in business as well. Promo code is Rocco30. Get yourself some. 
True North Motor Company. Check out True North Motor Company. Uh, like I said, on Sundays, if you're in the Salt Lake area and you want to ride, True North usually goes for a nice ride. Don't forget Freedom Jerky. FreedomJerky.com. Uh, it's it's a it is a hundred percent freaking U.S. made beef jerky. Um, it's this this company is owned by me and a few other guys, and essentially the money for this goes into the nonprofit. Like this is how we're going to be funding a nonprofit. And then you got another nonprofit out there called Hero Sports. Hero Sports. Hero Sports. Dot org. Uh, we do sports for veterans uh, anywhere we can. We're starting up to try and sponsor a hockey team here in Salt Lake City. Hopefully, we get that done after the holidays. And you got Willie Peach Chocolate. Don't forget Willie Peach Chocolate. Willie Peach makes some of this chocolate all at his house, all into to the garden that he does for himself, from from jalapenos to to ghost peppers to he he also has what the Reaper, all kinds of cool stuff. Go check out Willie Peach Chocolate. Chocolate, that guy does does it all, all out of his house. I just love supporting smaller companies like that. And if you want to be a sponsor of the Vinny, of the Vinny Rock Podcast, please let me know. Uh, there's no sponsorship that is too small. I'm here to support the community, here to support you guys because you support me. Uh, it's not about it's not about bringing in these multi big big brands. I I don't care if you're a small company that wants wants some love on the Vinny Rock Podcast. We can work out something. I'll help you out. You help me. We do it, man. But again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. This is just a, a small Vinny Rock podcast. Bye. I did it. I